When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. Today's episode is brought to you by Flex Fantasy, and they want me to relay a message to you that they have cracked open the game of fantasy football to all. When you sign up for a free account and download the Flex Fantasy app, you can import all your teams from all your leagues across multiple platforms that you play on. Spice up your fantasy playing experience by challenging league mates or strangers off the street to a fantasy matchup no matter how or where they play. And put your money where your mouth is by placing a wager on your head-to-head matchup. It doesn't matter if you are on Yahoo and your opponent is on Sleeper. You can import your teams to Flex Fantasy to face off. You can even make wagers on who you think will win between other challenges besides your own. So sign up for a free account and download the app to try it out at flex.fan. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Welcome in to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. And thank you for tuning in live on our YouTube channel. You can always check us out live on bellyup.tv as well. Or download the Foxy Network app if you miss an episode on your LG, Samsung, Roku, or Amazon Fire TV devices. And just look for us on the Belly Up Sports TV category on demand. Or just stay up to date with the show when you're on the go. And download us on the favorite podcast app. Please give us that five-star review. Really helps us out. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We're off to a little bit of a rocky start. Bear with me. One thing about doing live shows when you're on the road is that you don't always know what kind of Wi-Fi you're going to be working with. So tonight will be a little bit interesting because I don't have the best Wi-Fi. So please bear with us throughout the show if we have any issues. But we always never have an issue with Brian Scott joining us on Wednesday night to kick off the injury inquiries. But first, Brian, how you doing? Well, my Wi-Fi is good, but as you can tell, <clears throat> the voice is not. So... uh Bear with me. <laughs> um, I got good Wi-Fi connection, but I don't got good uh, health right now. So I'm going to push through this Wednesday report here. Hopefully be back tomorrow a little bit healthier. 
Brian just pushing through. He came through, though. He was questionable coming into the show, and he was able to stay active and get it going in pregame warm-up. So we're thankful for that. It is a short list, so let's go ahead and just get into it for you. Injury inquiries. Oh. All right. Like I said, it's a short list. So first up, we got Ryan Tannehill. And uh, before you go into it, I think I speak for everybody, Titan fans and just NFL fans included. We don't want to have to watch Malik Willis anymore. So what's going on with Ryan Tannehill and his ankle? Yeah, I think uh, Ryan Tannehill probably echoes those sentiments, although he'll never say that, uh, as well as the uh, organization as a whole. Um, No disrespect to Malik Willis. He's a rookie. He's not ready yet. But um, he was limited in practice today, which is a good sign. His ankle was not wrapped up. Uh, There was some video footage of him actually practicing, and he did not really do much. Um, However, uh, it didn't look like he was favoring it at all. And uh, he's a veteran, hasn't missed almost no time throughout his career, uh, especially in Tennessee. Uh, I'm I'm very optimistic that we see him uh, suit up and play this weekend. Or oh, that'd be some good news. And maybe they even get Traylon Burks back. I actually didn't have him on my list. He got surprise activated today from the IR window. Do you have anything on Traylon Burks off the top of your head? Uh, just that he was out there actually uh, practicing with uh, Tannehill. And I was going to mention that. And uh, thanks for reminding me. But yeah, he just came off IR. Uh, he was dealing with a turf toe injury, uh, non-operative, which is the best case scenario. So um, we could see him back uh, very soon. Yeah, much unlike the Michael Thomas toe injury that he's now knocked out for the rest of the season for. All right, so David Njoku is kind of getting reported early on this week that they thought maybe Njoku could come back and play coming out of the bye week, but didn't practice today. Not a great sign for a guy coming off the bye. So what do you think is going on with him and his ankle injury? Yeah, well, we reported, I think, last week that um, he had a high ankle sprain, and I had said that it's, very optimistic, but not realistic to expect somebody back in two weeks from a high ankle sprain. So he didn't practice today. It's going to be probably more along the lines of anywhere between four to five weeks, possibly even as long as six. Um, very optimistic to expect somebody back two weeks into a high ankle sprain. It's very unlikely. Um, and historically, it's not been done, um, especially if it's of any significance. And uh, based on what reports were saying, <clears throat> it is a, not a mild one. So uh, two weeks is very optimistic, but not realistic. I don't think we see him back for at least a couple more weeks. Okay. I tend to agree with you, too. And we'll get into the fantasy analysis on that later on in the show. What about Chuba Hubbard? He finally practiced in full the last two days and looking like he should be good for Thursday night football. He did. I, I think we still might see him in a little bit of a limited role. I think he might be on a snap count. I think he'll probably share some snaps with uh, Foreman, but uh, I do think he'll suit up and play. There you go. Uh, I did, it didn't get actually reported. I thought it would. But during the game on Sunday, Mike Evans clearly looked like he was in pain. Looked like he was dealing with a rib issue to me. Um, but didn't wind up on the practice report or the injury report, I should say, today. So did you see anything about Mike Evans on Sunday? Yeah, well, actually, I did see that he's actually dealing with multiple injuries. Apparently, he's dealing with a rib injury and an ankle injury. Um, but was able to get some limited uh, drills in today in a limited role of practice. Um so if we can see him get some more time uh, Thursday, Friday, we could see him in action. He's not one to miss much time, historically speaking, throughout his career. So um, it doesn't sound like these were too serious. He did play through them, but uh, apparently it's two separate things he's dealing with. Yeah, I'll have to say, remember, that game is in Germany, so we'll have to watch that very, very closely throughout the week. Uh, all right, Josh Allen, his elbow, take it away, because everybody wants to hear about this. 
Okay, so if we were talking about a baseball player, this would be really important. Um, we're not. We're talking about a football quarterback here. Not that it's any less significant of a position, but the mechanics are a little bit different. So the ulnar collateral ligament is what they're saying he injured. And apparently this is a similar injury that he had his rookie season, which caused him to miss four weeks. Now, this happened at the very tail end of the game, uh, down in the last drive against the Jets. Was dropping back to make a pass, got hit as his arm was coming forward, and was seen shaking his elbow off. Apparently, not only did he injure the ligament, but has some nerve injury as well, which is very common. You see this go hand in hand a lot of times with the ulnar collateral ligament. There's a nerve that runs right through there, and a lot of times that nerve can get stretched or irritated as well. The big question is, where is he and what is he doing? Because apparently he wasn't seen at practice today. Um, the head coach, uh, McDermott, uh, when asked by reporters, what has he been doing? Uh, he didn't really go into specifics and wouldn't say whether he's been throwing or not. And also wouldn't really elaborate on whether or not he's seeking a second opinion, which in my estimation is that's what he's exactly doing. Because if he was a baseball pitcher, the, the good, there's a good chance he would have been shelved already and probably booked for surgery. As a position, as a quarterback though, um, you can probably get away with this injury and play through it. The problem is how significant a sprain does he have right now? And is this something that's going to really hamper his mechanics? And I think without really seeing him do any throwing yet, that's going to be really hard to predict. I have a I have a sig- significant suspicion that he might be on the shelf this weekend, potentially even longer. But until I see or hear any more reports, it's going to be hard to call. Um, but just based on the injury alone, the fact that he's had this injury before, and um, the fact that we didn't see him today at practice uh, is very concerning. No, I, I tend to agree with you, and especially, you know, this guy has been carrying fantasy football teams, so this is a huge deal, even if he misses just one week. What do you make, though, because the consistent reporting around the team, for people who are, are with the team every day, although it didn't come straight from Sean McDermott's mouth or anything, they seem to be reporting that they think if he does miss this weekend, it's only this weekend, and that it sounds like it's not major. I mean, that's what we were getting in the headlines all day today, so does that give you any insight to anything? Well... Reporters uh, had asked Allen himself, I think right after the game, whether it was a significant injury, and he kind of shook it off. So maybe that's what they're going on. Okay. Um, but the fact that he wasn't there today sets off some alarms in my book because that means he's probably seeking another opinion. And I think that given he's had two injuries to this elbow, uh, the same kind of injury and missed time before, this could be something that never quite fully healed exactly the way they wanted it. And this may have been a re-aggravation of that initial injury. And, you know, when, the, when you're talking about a position player that revolves around arm strength and mechanics, this could be something that he may have to have addressed in the future, but he may be able to play through it. So I'm not really buying into the fact that he's that healthy, but I'm also not convinced that he's going to be on the shelf too long because he probably has been playing with this to some degree throughout his entire career, given the fact that he got hurt his rookie year and missed four weeks. Um, these things don't always typically heal exactly the way they were before. So he's probably been playing with some type of ulnar collateral deficiency or injury that's been there, but it's never bothered him enough to, to have him sit out a prolonged stretch. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Do I think this is significant? Yeah. But do I think he can also play through it? Possibly. I mean, given the stakes that are at hand, the success that he's had with Buffalo um, and the expectations on them this season going into this year, uh, I think they're going to ride it out as long as they can. 
All right. Well, we'll have to see. I mean, this is a big deal, guys. We'll have to we'll keep our eyes on it. And of course, there's a lot of fantasy implications that we'll have to get through. I mean, with the show today, uh, with with and without Josh Allen, and what our expectations will be. So all of that will be coming up more. Now, a less significant player, uh, Josh Reynolds. He's been trying to deal with the injury. He's been trying to get back. This is somebody who's been actually a nice little spot start for a lot of fantasy owners out there when he was healthy, and now all of a sudden he can't get back on the field. You got any feeling on him? Well, he didn't practice today, and they've been calling it a back injury, and they haven't really gone into specifics. But back injuries can be very debilitating. It's part of your core. Um, any any basic movements you're doing involve your core and your back. So um, if he's not able to get on the field in even a limited capacity, I'm very hard-pressed to think he's going to be available this weekend. All right. Well, that does it for our list today, actually. Like I said, it was a very short list. It's actually a little bit of a longer list tomorrow. Something that doesn't yeah. typically happen. Usually our longer list is on, on Wednesday for whatever reason yep. that is. But, Brian, I want to thank you for coming on to the show. I want to thank you for powering through, man. And what do you got coming up? Where can people follow you at? Well, right now you can probably follow me in the training room um, where I'll be getting some treatment on my own and uh, in the medicine cabinet as well. <laughs> Uh, but in all seriousness, uh, keep doing my thing on Twitter. I'll just be uh, doing some daily updates. Uh, we should have our article coming out inside the medical tent again uh, Friday uh, for all you people uh, on the fantasy uh, Belly Up Fantasy website. And uh, <clears throat> I usually post those on my website as well at theinjurelist.com if you miss them on Belly Up. And uh, Sunday morning on TSS Fantasy, I'll be doing last-minute injury updates as well. Excellent. Make sure you guys are following along. Injuredless podcast available wherever your podcast, whatever you listen to. Make sure you give it a follow and subscribe to Brian. We'll see you tomorrow night, man. I hope you feel better. Well, my voice got worse during this segment, but your internet got better. So I'm going to get out of here so you can power on through and I'll go rest up. Thank you. Appreciate it. Take care. That's again, that's Brian Scott at host Brian Scott on social media on the injured list podcast available everywhere. You listen to podcasts, make sure you go ahead and give him a follow and download. All right. So we got some interesting information there. Obviously some big name players. Now it's time to go forward with our look ahead Wednesday, our first half preview of week 10. It is just me today. Daniel Dubois was unable to be with us. She'll be back with us next week. Don't you guys worry but for right now let's talk about our first four matchups for today's show so we got the falcons and the carolina panthers the seattle seahawks and the Tampa Bay bucks again that game is in germany it is at 9 30 just like it would be for a london game you'll have to treat it the same way uh, we got the minnesota vikings against the buffalo bills and then the detroit lions against the chicago bears so a lot to talk about and let's go ahead and dive in to our obvious starters. Obvious starters. Welcome back, Captain Obvious. Yes, I am. So obviously, if Josh Allen does play, he'll be in your lineup. You love the match against Minnesota, and he's, well, he's Josh Allen. He's my QB1, as it stands right now, as long as we think he might be able to go. And look, Brian talked about a lot of things there, and all of it, of course, we got to pay attention to. We're not going to know. Uh, the reports that I got was the team will probably make a final decision one way or another come Friday. So the good news is you should get some early word. In the meantime, if you have Josh Allen, you should probably start to look at your waiver wire to see what are your options going to be to pick up a streaming guy for this week. And we'll go into a few of them as we go throughout the show. But obviously, a lot of the other fantasy analysis with what happens if Josh Allen doesn't play, well, Case Keenum will come in as starting quarterback and We'll get into some of the wide receivers and what that all means in, in just a minute. But my other obvious starter 
at the quarterback position is a new face, a new name, and frankly, might be here to stay. And that's Justin Fields. Comes in at my QB5 on the week. Unbelievable. And he might stay there. He'll definitely stay there against Atlanta next week. I can tell you that much. Justin Fields has been incredible. He's been the number one overall quarterback over the last four weeks. Number one over the last four weeks. I know that includes some bye weeks here and there, but still, number one quarterback. From what Chicago started as, between the monsoon game and the San Francisco game week one, not even throwing the ball 20 times in a game for a couple of weeks, looking completely inept, Darnell Mooney a drop, Justin Fields not on the radar, the offense looking like it's going nowhere, everybody talking about who's going to be the next Chicago Bears franchise quarterback. And finally, after all that, Chicago over the past month finally decided, you know what, we're going to stop trying to make Justin Fields a pocket quarterback. We're going to let him throw the ball on the move because it was one or the other. It's either he was dropping back as a pocket passer and then either scrambling or they were running an RPO option off of him. But they weren't actually using his legs to help set up throws down the field. They weren't using his athleticism as part of the actual passing game. It was very separated, very exclusive rather than inclusive. Justin Fields is a terrific quarterback throwing on the run. So what have we seen the past few weeks? A lot more bootlegs. A lot more, you know, RPO play action pass off of a a run and a guy running back underneath. What, what, What winds up happening is fakes the run, and then you got two to three options on one side of the field. You roll him out to that side of the field. Now he held on to the ball, so everybody thinks he's running. Now he still has options to throw to, even after the action fake. It's a new layer. It's a layer they should have had this entire time, but it's now a layer that's in effect. And he's not lighting up the scoreboard as a passer. I mean, we talked 133 yards passing last week, but three passing touchdowns. Using his legs as more of a weapon, using him as more of a weapon. Getting guys open down the field more often, so even though he's still not throwing the ball a ton, he's getting shots down the field. He's getting the offense to be more vertical. He's keeping the defense on their toes. And it helps in the red zone. Remember Lamar Jackson's 2019 MVP season? He wasn't lighting up the pass attempts. He wasn't lighting up, you know, the yardage, the passing yardage. But what he was doing was being ever efficient. Getting big plays when they needed them. Moving the chains when they needed them. And uber efficient in the red zone. We're starting to see that with Justin Fields. I said it a month ago. Because he was starting to run more and more. And I was like, look, if he could just be competent. Literally said this word for word. If he could just be competent throwing the football. Justin Fields will be a huge fantasy asset. Which is why he was on my radar. Well, now all of a sudden he looks competent throwing the football. And he got an extra weapon at the trade deadline and Chase Claypool. He might be here to stay within that obvious starter top five, top six range. We talked about all year. The quarterback situation has not been great. Justin Fields could be a top six quarterback the rest of the way. I put the post up on social media, and after this, I'll I'll move on to the next player. 
I said, could he be a top eight? You know, I just wanted to leave a little wiggle room for people. Let's see what they say. At Belly Up MDFF Show. You should follow, by the way. I have a lot of interesting things going on. And the reactions were pretty much, I would say, 99% in favor of, yeah, he's definitely top eight. I had a few people who said he's going to probably be top five. And there was a couple other people that were still trying to be convinced, but they're very few and far between. Everyone's along for the ride at this point and buying in, and so am I. Let's move to our obvious starters at the running back position for these matchups. Kenneth Walker, he comes in my RB7. He's fantastic. Yep, on paper, Tampa Bay is a bad matchup. They're not, they're not the run defense they used to be. And Kenneth Walker, he's not the style of runner where he has to, he has to have a, good, a great matchup to gash people all the time. All he needs is one to two big runs. He's been scoring every week. He's a terrific, fantastic, explosive player who even when he gets a tough matchup, he can still hit that big play. He'll still find the end zone some way. And while he's not the guy like Travis Homer taking the second, you know, the two-minute drill, the third and longs, things of that nature, he's still getting three to four targets in a game. They're still, they're still giving him opportunities to catch the ball here and there. It's not 100% carries. Love Kenneth Walker. Dalvin Cook. Actually, a little bit lower on him this week because he's going up against the Buffalo Bills, but RB11 on the week, still a top 12 guy, and obviously there's no question he's going to be in your lineup. Is he inside the top 10? No, because it's the Buffalo Bills. It's a tough defense, but if Josh Allen doesn't play, their offense might not be as explosive. Defense could be on the field a little bit more than it normally would be. Maybe in the second half, Dalvin Cook's got a little extra running room than we would normally expect. I think that's possible. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Move on to the obvious starters at wide receiver. Justin Jefferson comes in at my number five. Same argument to be made for Dalvin Cook. It's the Buffalo Bills. It's a tougher matchup. Maybe Tredavious White is back this week. That's possible. But Justin Jefferson's just so good, it doesn't matter. And then Stephon Diggs. This is the guy we got to talk about a little bit with the Josh Allen news. We'll talk about Gabe Davis in a little bit, too. And that, that's a separate conversation. Even with Case Keenum, yeah, the big play, the big ceiling, maybe that's not necessarily on the t- 150 yards and two touchdowns. Maybe that ceiling's not necessarily on the table. Like, it would have been against the Minnesota Vikings with Josh Allen back there in a revenge week for Stephon Diggs. But 10 catches for 100 yards and a touchdown, yeah, that's still on the table with Case Keenum. The volume is not going to be the issue. Okay? And remember, Keenum is a little bit of a revenge game for him, too. He had his best season ever as a pro as a Minnesota Viking. 
So the volume's not going to be an issue for Stephon Diggs, which is why I'm ultimately not worried. Will I knock him down from wide receiver two to probably, you know, behind Justin Jefferson or have it wide receiver five at the very minimum? Yeah, probably. But you're still going to play him, and I wouldn't be overly concerned about it because they have to make the switch to Case Keenum. That does it for the obvious starters of this. Let's hit our lock em ins. Lock em in. It's a lock. We're locking in Geno Smith. This is QB 10 against the Baltimore Ravens. Look, at this point, it really shouldn't be a surprise. While he's not lighting it up from a fantasy standpoint, he's doing exactly what all the other quarterbacks in that 9 to 12 range are doing. Two touchdowns, 230 to 250 yards, maybe 10 plus yards on the ground with his legs not turning the ball over, and just giving you 16 to 17 points. And this year, that's been very A-OK at the quarterback position. That's why he comes in at QB 10. Plus, it's in Germany. Maybe we'll have a little extra juice in there. I don't know. But Geno Smith is still a top 10 quarterback for me this week. Let's move to the running backs. So Cordell Patterson, lock him in. I got him at RB 18 right now. So he comes in, he's my top 20, and he's going to get more carries than he got last week. He got 13. Played the same amount of snaps as Tyler Algier in his first week back when they were talking about going into the game, easing him back in. Well, if easing him back in is giving him the most carries amongst the running backs right off the bat and definitely giving him the goal line work, by the way, should have had three touchdowns had it not been for a holding penalty. Well, we're fine with Cordell Patterson. We know the Falcons are a run-first team. It's a nice matchup here against Carolina. Is Cordell Patterson going to be the guy who gets 20 touches a week? No. We know that. All we need him to do is get 12 to 15 touches and get the money touches. And that's what's been happening. And there's a good chance he hits that 15 mark this week against Carolina. So light him up. He's a top 20 play. And I love Cordell Patterson locking him into your lineup. The other guy, though, is Leonard Fournette. Now, I know people are a little bit down on Leonard Fournette, maybe even a little bit concerned about what his rest of season value is going to be with the reports circling that, hey, you know what? Maybe it won't take an injury for Rashad White to usurp Leonard Fournette at some point this season. That at some point's not this week, I can tell you that. And I don't know if that really ever truly happens. Remember, Tom Brady loves Leonard Fournette. Loves him for his pass protection. Loves checking the ball down. Trusts him. It's hard for me to believe that Rashad White would ever just usurp Leonard Fournette altogether. And even if he did, Leonard Fournette would still get worked in. Nobody's, I've talked about this for weeks now, nobody's going to get pigeonholed. It's one of the reasons I've made the argument why I'm not worried about Leonard Fournette long term. Is the yards per carry not good? No, it's not. Part of that's on Fournette, part of that's on the terrible offensive line that you're hoping gets a little bit more healthy soon. But for now, I still feel like unless he gets injured or the Bucks completely fall out of the race, he's not going to get usurped by Rashad White. The Buccaneers right now, their head coaching staff, they can't even figure out how much they should be running the football. All I heard Sunday morning leading into that game was how everybody who covers that team was talking about the big emphasis on the week is that Tampa Bay is going to make sure they put an emphasis on running the ball and make play action become a thing again for Tom Brady and stop dropping him back so much. And then what happened in the game? They did exactly what they've been doing all year long. So we can't even get them to agree on running the football as much as they should, let alone which running back is going to be the one doing it. 
Does, does Rashad White more explosive? Absolutely. Is that type of running back, Rashad White, that is a better fit behind a bad offensive line to make something happen? Yeah, absolutely. You can't be a big physical plotting back and think you're going to do well behind a bad offensive line. It doesn't work that way. Does that mean he'll usurp him? Eh, I don't know. Do I think he could get closer to a 50-50 split? Yes, I do think that. And maybe that's more what they wind up talking about. Maybe that's more what we wind up seeing. But even in that scenario, we're still talking about Fournette and Rashad White as RB3s. So it'll still be a part of your lineup one way or another. And I think you have to continue to play him here. I've got a question coming in. Sean, thanks for tuning in, Sean. Hey, bro, do I start Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, or Rondale Moore? Well, I actually wanted to say it's a surprise for tomorrow's show. But since you asked the question, I will, I will ruin the surprise now. George Pickens, and I actually have my graphic here. George Pickens is my wide receiver 19 this week. So I have him locked in as a top 20 receiver. Not a game we're talking about tomorrow, so that's what I was going to get into it then. But yeah, he's got way more touchdown upside than Deontay Johnson who can't find the end zone, even though he's not getting as many targets. He gets more of a target boost with Chase Claypool out of the way. It's actually a nice matchup with no Marshawn Lattimore for receivers to get down the field on the Saints' defense. And uh, I forget who the other third person was here. Rondale Moore, who I do like, but he doesn't have the same ceiling as a George Pickens. I think they went into that bye with like, okay, Chase Claypool's out of the mix. We get more consolidated now between Fearmouth, Deontay Johnson, and George Pickens. Pickens being the big winner of that. Because all he needed was an extra two to three targets a game for us to start to see his potential come through. Because he's the only one Pickens are willing to target down the field anyway. So, Sean, to answer your question, I'm rolling George Pickens, and I'm rolling it pretty confidently this week, too, of those three. All right, so my other lock of in running back is Jamal Williams. I got him at RB16 this week, well ahead of DeAndre Swift, by the way, who as of right now comes in my RB31, and even that I think could be too high based on his recent usage, but Dan Campbell trying to say he's going to get more touches this upcoming week. Maybe he will. Craig Reynolds went on IR, so it's one less mouth to feed, I suppose, although Justin Jackson's been getting involved as of late. And you can't play a guy who's only getting 10 touches. He's a dynamic talent. I'm not sure how healthy he is on a scale of 1 to 10 exactly, and really, unless you are DeAndre Swift on the Detroit Lions, you probably don't know right now. What I do know is this. Jamal Williams getting all the goal line work, and Swift's hardly playing. Even though he's practicing in full, even though he's active, it doesn't seem to matter. And we can't trust what comes out of Dan Campbell's mouth throughout the week. Is it hard to bench Swift? Yeah, it is. And we'll talk about whether I will or won't later on. Again, RB31, kind of on that teetering spot. I got that for later in the show. But for right now, the guy I do trust, who does have touchdown upside in a nice match against the Chicago Bears, well, that's Jamal Williams. And that's why I'm locking him in at my RB16. Let's move to my lock him in wide receivers. DJ Moore. So everybody's asking the question now, right? DJ Moore, what are you? Are you what we saw the past two weeks since Christian McCaffrey got traded away, getting double-digit targets and looking like the wide receiver that we all expected you to be? Or are we back to Carolina hit the wall of reality that is Philip Walker as a starting quarterback? And as a result, well, it doesn't really matter if you only pass-catching wide out. You don't get the targets you deserve. Plus, Terrace Marshall all of a sudden is coming onto the scene, and now you have to share with him 
unfortunately. And apparently, if DJ Moore has to share with anybody, he can't get more than six to eight targets in a game, which is ridiculous. But that's what we're dealing with. Well, I'm giving him this shot this week. It's Atlanta. We still don't expect AJ Terrell to play. Philip Walker does get the start. By the way, that's big. I'm not a Philip Walker fan at all. I don't think he's an NFL quarterback. I don't care about the two good performances that he did have. We just saw what happens when he plays a real NFL defense against Cincinnati. Totally, totally shut down. But I do know when Baker Mayfield came into that second half, guess who wasn't getting targeted anymore? DJ Moore. That's why Terrace Marshall and DJ Moore had the same amount of targets. I don't know what it is. Clearly, Baker Mayfield and DJ Moore, no matter what the circumstances are, cannot get on the same page. Plain and simple. So, as a result, this is what we're left with. We need Philip Walker or Sam Darnold, who was activated this past week, officially on the roster to be the starter for DJ Moore, to be the guy to get the targets he needs to be able to do something. Well, Philip Walker's the starter. It's a great match against the Falcons. I'm locking in DJ Moore as a top 20 receiver this week. I will put this caveat out there. If DJ Moore does have a good game, and we're talking about, you know, who's the quarterback moving forward. I would think about selling high on him while you can. Because what we have seen is that if they do play a decent defense. This whole thing can completely implode. And these smoke and mirrors that we've been seeing with backup players will hold up. I think that's a real possibility. So if DJ Moore has a good game here, I would think about selling him high before your trade deadlines over the next couple of weeks. I'm also locking in Tyler Lockett. My wide receiver 16. I mean, and DK Metcalf's not on my lock him, lock him in, but no, he is actually. I take that back. He is. So DK Metcalf, too. He's on my wide receiver 21. So yeah, I have a most lock in top 24 option. That means he's a wide receiver, too. You're playing DK Metcalf, you're playing Tyler Lockett. At this point, I don't even know if I have to talk about the analysis on this. They score, they're getting the ball. The target's consolidated. Geno Smith's playing well. The Seattle offense looks good. You lock him in as top as wide receiver twos. Do they have those big ceilings? Does DK Metcalf have that top five ceiling he used to have? Not unless he gets the opportunity to break one. And he's still a little bit banged up, and the opportunities just haven't necessarily been there over the past few weeks. But they have great floors, tremendous floors. So you're locking them in as top 24 options. Another guy I'm locking in, but I don't have him as high as the rest of ECR, and that's on Monra St. Brown. So I'm locking him in as a wide receiver 20. He's a wide receiver 2. You're playing him. He's in your lineup. Fine. But right now, ECR has got him up at wide receiver 9. I'm not that bullish. And the reason why I'm not that bullish doesn't have as much to do with St. Brown as it does Jared Goff. Now get this. Jared Goff, first four weeks, QB5. Offense looked good. It was humming. It was up-tempo. And anytime they played Detroit or against a subpar defense, they did their thing. We all love the Detroit-Seattle game from earlier this year. Since that game, though, Jared Goff is the QB 27. Started playing against tougher defenses, played a couple more games on the road, and now against the Green Bay Packers, you even get an opportunity at home and still only put up 15 points and just didn't look good. I don't want to hear that, well, well, you know, Josh Reynolds is not out there and TJ Hawkinson's not out there and DeAndre Swift's not out there. And because of that, you know, guys just keying in more on St. Brown. It's hard for him to get open. I don't want to hear that. St. Brown literally made his name last season being the only guy Detroit could go to with the ball. That's all, that's all he had. There was no Swift 
There was no second receiver. Hawkinson was hurt. So the same situation we have now. That's not the issue. The issue is Jared Goff's playing really bad right now. That's the issue. I don't think he plays this terrible all season long. St. Brown's a tremendous talent. In fact, I would say he's a definitive buy low candidate right now because people, you know, they're tired of it. He missed a handful of games. He's not going off the way you expected him to, not what you drafted him to be. But the targets will be there. And as long as St. Brown's going to get the volume, he'll be fine. And I think he does still have wide receiver one upside in the top 12 at some point this season. Not this week against Chicago because they are on the road, and I don't trust Jared Goff on the road. But I do think he can get back there as he gets healthier, as Jared Goff plays a little bit better. Because what he's doing lately, that's not, you know, that's not Goff either. I know people like to crap on him all the time, but he's not that bad. So buy low in St. Brown while they have the chance. But for this week, I'm not as high on the ECR as, you know, well, as the ECR. <laughs> all right, let's get to our lookout four players for these four matchups. If I can ever find the drop. Look out for... All right, so I got Tom Brady sitting at QB8. I know, I know. What am I thinking? What am I thinking having Tom Brady sitting at QB8? I'm looking out for him, and I'm playing him. And the reason why I'm doing that is a couple things. One, there's four teams on by. Some of your options get slimmed down as a result of that. Two... I can't, I'm, I'm a fantasy football analysis guy. I can't, avo- I can't ignore volume. I'm sorry, I can't. Can't do it. Three, and this is what I'm pinning my projection on. The end of that game last week on the game-winning drive, will that be the spark the Bucks need to get going offensively? Because all of a sudden, everything clicked. Tom Brady looked like Tom Brady. He was getting time to throw. The receivers were getting open. And it looked, it looked vintage. It just did. Is that the spark? Sometimes that's all it takes. We know the talent's there. We know the volume's there. It's pretty much the same coaching staff it's been for the past couple of years, minus Bruce Arians. And sometimes it just takes a spark to snap you out of a slump. That could have been that spark. And that's what I'm curious to see. But for right now, I'm going to play Tom Brady as my QB8 heading into this week. Look out for the Carolina backfield in tomorrow night's game on Thursday night. So Donta Foreman comes in my RB21. Yes, there will likely be a split between him and Chuba Hubbard. What will it be? That's the question we all need to answer. First game out with no Christian McCaffrey. What happened? Chuba Hubbard led the way. 22 snaps to 14 snaps the first three quarters until Chuba Hubbard got injured. Took over all the passing down work. Well, we know that's definitely going to be the case because Blackshear came in last week and he was he took over all the pass catching work and that's eventually why he wanted to play more and dot the Foreman and unfortunately stole the Foreman touchdown because they were in comeback mode the entire second half. The good news here, I think, one Foreman played way too well those first two games to suddenly not allow him to be the starter or not allow him at the very least to have first second down goal line work. We know what Chuba Hubbard is at this point. We know he's a guy who can't bang between the tackles on a consistent basis without picking up an injury. He did it this year, he did it last year when he had the opportunity. Donta Foreman should get that role. He just won't have the pass-catching role. And Chuba Hubbard will also eat into some of his work. We'll probably have maybe a series for every two series Foreman gets. We'll see Chuba Hubbard out there. The good news against the Atlanta Falcons, besides being the Falcons, is that 
this game should be back and forth. I don't see the Falcons being able to blow them out the way the Cincinnati Bengals did. So as long as this game stays within a neutral-ish game script, Dot the Foreman should get 15-plus carries. I do think he winds up getting a touchdown as a result, and that's why he comes in for me at my RB21, but Hubbard is still a flex consideration RB28. There is a chance being that this is his first game back. We might see a situation where he's not worked into the full workload. That's potentially there. But for right now, Foreman is going to be my guy at RB21. And Hubbard, I will play him, especially full point PPR, as a flex play if needed. Excuse me. Devin Singletary comes in my RB27. So this gets real interesting with the Josh Allen news, too. If Josh Allen doesn't play, and it's Case Keenum, well, I think it's safe to say that Buffalo might lean on the run a little bit more, which will be Devin Singletary still, by the way. Naeem Hines comes in. He's still learning the offense. He didn't play much last week. He'll probably play a little bit more this week, but we know what Naeem Hines is. He's not a first. He's not a, he's not a workhorse back. He's not a first, second down goal line back. He's a pass catcher. He can get mixed in on those situations sometimes, but that's not what his forte is. Yes, they don't want Devin Singletary being the guy in pass protection catching the ball. That much is obviously clear. That's why they traded for Naeem Hines. That's why they drafted James Cook. It's why Zach Moss even had a role for the length of time that he did. It was because he could pass protect. So Singletary will still be the lead carrier. And in this situation, if Josh Allen's out, he'll move up for my RB27. But for right now, if Josh Allen's out there, it's just last year all over again. Last past couple of years all over again. He just doesn't get enough work. They forget about running the ball. Ken Dorsey is super pass happy. Maybe even more so than Brian Dable ever was as the offense coordinator for the Buffalo Bills. So that's what we're left with. So Singletary will have to wait and see. Either way, he's at least a flex play. He could inch closer to that low-end RB2 territory if it does want to be in Case Keenum and not Josh Allen. The other guy I want to let you look out for, or the other tandem I should say I want you to look out for, is Chicago. David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert. I actually have both of these guys inside my top 24. That's right. Khalil Herbert, I have I well, I have Khalil Herbert at 24 exactly, and David Montgomery at 17. Look, Montgomery's still dominating the workload. So we can't have him ranked below Khalil Herbert. He just is. Is Herbert better when he gets the ball? Yes. He's more explosive at least. And is this a situation where it should be a neutral to pro game script? Yes, which means Herbert will get more opportunities. This, this game, I don't see Detroit blowing out Chicago or getting up by, you know, two, three scores early and forcing it to have to be a David Montgomery game the rest of the game. Khalil Herbert's going to get his opportunities, and that's why I think he's an RB2 this week. I do. I'd have him. He'd be a top flex play. I think you can even plug him in as a spot start in the RB2 in this matchup for this week. But he's still getting 70% of the snaps. Can't be ignored. So both these guys, I'm locking into my lineups right now. Uh, last guy I want to look out for. And my running back spot is Tyler Algier. I got him at RB30. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. He doesn't have the same touchdown upside, of course, of a, you know, Cordell Patterson. He's not going to get those opportunities, but is he going to get double-digit touches? Yeah, that much we know. Caleb Huntley eventually is going to fall away into the ether. We already kind of saw that start to come. I think Huntley being involved in what he, as much as he was, was a, you know, a testament to Cordell Patterson being eased in his first week. I think that's all that was about. So Caleb Huntley will fall away. Every Williams will fall away. I think eventually this becomes a two-man rotation between Cordell Patterson and Tyler Algier. I know people people keep talking about, well, you know, Damian Williams might be back eventually. I don't know if that ever happens. It definitely won't happen by tomorrow night. So Tyler Algier becomes a safe floor. I know you're going to get double-digit touches, you know, RB3. Just don't expect a ceiling. So look at your lineups this week. Figure out what you need. Do you need a guy just plug him in, get eight to 10 points potentially because he's got the volume or you need somebody to hit a home run. The question is, do you need a little more explosiveness? You need a little more ceiling Then Tyler Algiers, not your guy. That's just all it's going to boil down to. Let's talk about our wide receivers who are looking out for. So that we, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Mike Evans does come inside my top 20. He's at 18. Chris Godwin, I have him much lower at wide receiver 28. We can say the same things over and over again, the volume, we know the talent. But when it comes to Chris Godwin in particular, we got to talk about the fact that this guy's never in the end zone. We got to talk about the fact that this guy only has like a nine yard per reception rate right now. We got to talk about the fact that this guy doesn't get anywhere deeper than like five, seven yards past the line of scrimmage when he's getting thrown the ball. Part of that could be the offensive line, Tom Brady not having the same time that he used to. Part of it is just that Chris Godwin is still not 100% healthy coming off that knee, and as a result, they're trying to scheme him open closer to the line of scrimmage off, off the jump. He's not getting the separation downfield like we're used to seeing. Maybe he does do that at some point this season as he gets more confidence and more strength back in that knee, and I hope he does, but for right now, I'm tired of watching Chris Godwin go 7 for 30. I'm tired of it. If you're a full point PPR league, okay, that's fine. But in half point PPR, well, it's an okay floor, but just not leaving you in much of a ceiling. Certainly not a wide receiver two ceiling. It becomes a wide receiver three. If he starts finding the end zone again or starts getting targeted down the field a little bit more, we'll have a different conversation. But for right now, I think Chris Godwin can't be considered anything more than a wide receiver three. And then Mike Evans, why he's still in my top 20? Well, if somebody's going to get touchdowns, it's Mike Evans. And it sounds like he's going to be able to suit up and play. 
Gabriel Davis. So this is, yeah, this is a conversation here. So he comes in at wide receiver 22. Now, these rankings, especially for the Buffalo players right now, are anticipation of Josh Allen playing this week. If that changes, obviously, their value will change. Nobody more than Gabriel Davis. If Gabriel Davis has Case Keenum back there, he will be dropping closer to that Chris Godwin range, maybe even a little bit further. I'll pull up the graphic here. Yeah, I'll probably have him that like 29, 30 range around Jerry, Judy, Michael Pittman heading into this week. It's already been kind of frustrating over the past two weeks, as you would know if you have Gabriel Davis already. I still believe in the talent. I still love the offense, and I still love Josh Allen. I still love what Gabe Davis can do on the field. So that's why more weeks than not, I'm still going to want to play him in my lineup because he's still going to be a guy out there who can go out there and win you a week. And he's just one of those guys you kind of just you have to ride that roller coaster. You knew that going into the season. He wasn't going to be a high-volume guy. But now if you take Josh Allen off the table, you're giving me Case Keenum, who can't even throw the ball down the field. It's always been his knock his entire career. By the way, the arm hasn't gotten better with age. Well, now, now we're talking a whole new scenario. Now I'm probably looking at a guy who has more of a floor, more of a target share that I could trust, like you know, like a Chris Godwin. So Gabriel Davis will be outside my top 24 if Josh Allen cannot go. Darnell Mooney. I would have him behind Darnell Mooney. There's a good name for you. Wide receiver 26. I'd move Gabe Davis below him if Josh Allen's not playing. All we needed was Justin Fields to get a little more competent. The volume really hasn't gone up. He's still not getting, you know, he's still not throwing the ball 27 plus times at a game. It's he's sitting at like 22, 23. It's just a little bit more efficient. That's all. So Darnell Mooney, like the big plays, it's available. It's there. He'll be the lead guy. It's Detroit. I think he's a good boomer bust wide receiver three who's got a decent enough floor with a quarterback who's playing better right now. So fire up Darnell Mooney as a wide receiver three. Look out for him. Then we get to the tight ends that I want you to look out for. I'm going to talk about all three three of these guys in pretty much the same breath because they're right around the same range. So we got Kyle Pitts, my tight end 12, Kate Otten, my tight end 13, and Cole Komet, my tight end 14. Now, a lot should be said about Cole Komet. I mean, really, Chicago in general, like the fact they're, they're all on the radar. Guys, you wanted to be on the radar in the beginning of the season, but couldn't be. And you had given up all hope on it, you know, for the first month of the season. Now, all of a sudden, they're back on the radar. Matchup dependent here, especially when it comes to Cole Komet and Kate Otten. Detroit gives up a lot of points, really, to every position. And Seattle is the worst or the, really the best matchup for a tight end to have. Because all they do is give up touchdowns. What did I say about Zach Ertz last week? I said he was guaranteed to get a touchdown. He did. Kate Otten, I think, has got a pretty good shot at this one, too. Now, we got to wait to see how this kind of thing plays out. Because from what I understand, Cameron Brake could be back this week. What happens with that, I don't know. At this point, I don't see why you bother. Cameron Brake wasn't giving you anything anyway. So I don't know if you really bother with the you know the rookie tight end who's starting to show a little bit something over the past couple of weeks in, in his stead. I don't know why you'd go away from that, but that's something we'll have to watch. Assuming Kate Otten's still the starting tight end, I got him as a good top-end streamer this week with that matchup. And Kyle Pitts, same thing. You like the matchup against Carolina? Lately, when the beginning of the season came and Marcus Mariota was barely throwing the ball to anyone, but when he did throw the ball, it was going to Drake London. Well, there's been a little bit of a switch on that lately, where if he is throwing the ball, it's going to Kyle Pitts. So I think Kyle Pitts, he's still a low-end tight end one. That's not a reflection of what his talent is. His talent's a top-five guy. But 
Is he back in the low end tight end one conversation? Can you actually play him in your lineups with some confidence? I believe he can. Still a low floor. Because don't forget, if he doesn't get hit on a touchdown pass, you know, those four or five times it's actually within range because he gets seven targets, but only four or five of them actually within range of his catch radius because Mariota's throwing the ball so poorly right now. If he doesn't capitalize on that, it could be a long day. So just, you know, be warned. But right now I do have him inside my top 12 at 12 exactly. All three of these guys are something to kind of keep your eye on, though. If you're looking to stream tight ends, Otten, Cole Komet, especially names atop my list. All right, let's talk about our be cautious of for these matchups. Be cautious of. Of course, you're not playing Marcus Mariota. I don't got to go into detail about that. Kirk Cousins. So Cousins technically is in my streaming territory. And I have a little bit more confidence in him. And that's actually, I moved him up to QB 13 with the idea that maybe he's getting Case Keenum. If Josh Allen's not out there, because if Josh Allen's not out there, that means less sustained drives. Buffalo's defense spends more time on the field. It could loosen some things up and open things up for the Minnesota offense that maybe wouldn't normally be there. But I've had Kirk Cousins ranked inside my top 10, my top 12, pretty consistently so far this season. So this is the first week in a while where he's not there. He's at my QB 13. I do have some other guys who are considered streamers inside that top 12, like a Trevor Lawrence, Jimmy Garoppolo, who I'd rather play this week, pick up and play, than play a Kirk Cousins. So that's why I feel like I need to make the illustration there of like Kirk Cousins, somebody I'm kind of being a little bit cautious of this week. Buffalo's a tough defense. And the other thing that's bothering me, really, is not just the matchup against Buffalo. That, that's lazy analysis, right? Yeah, we know that's a tough matchup. What's bothering me is that he hasn't gone off yet. Kevin O'Connell, the familiarity with him, the better offensive system, the weapons are in place. TJ Hawkinson had a really good debut. Dalvin Cook is there. Justin Jefferson's there. Adam Thielen's there. You have the weapons. And yet we still have not seen Kirk Cousins start to finally get on a roll. I mean, even with Mike Zimmer, he'd have a stretch of four games, six games, where he has like 300 yards and two to three touchdowns and just goes on a hot streak. And usually that happens by now. That usually happens by week six. Look at his past history. Lasts till about week 10, and then it's kind of matchup dependent after that. The fact that we still haven't gotten that, it worries me from a ceiling upside when it comes to Kirk Cousins. It also worries me when he actually does play good defenses. Well, you're not really firing all cylinders right now, so... What can I expect you to have as a floor? I know Jefferson will get the ball. I know TJ Hawkins will get the ball. I know Dalvin Cook will get the ball. But what that means for Kirk Cousins could be very little. So I think there's other options to be able to go with this week. So that's why I want to be cautious up. Obviously, you're not playing Jared Goff. Now this brings up DeAndre Swift. So he's, this is another guy who's ranked at RB31. So you would have to have him as a flex consideration. But my question to you is how can you trust him? How can he trust a running back who's not even getting 10 touches right now? I know Dan Campbell says, oh, yeah, he's going to get more touches. Craig Reynolds, he's out of the way. He's on IR. We can't trust anything Dan Campbell says. <laughs> like He's made that abundantly clear with his injury updates where guys, oh, yeah, they're back. They're playing. They're going to be good to go. Inactive on Sunday. His usage, he's talked about who he's going to use in certain situations. That's been a crock. Not paid out at all on Sunday. So we can't listen to Dan Campbell. I don't know why. If DeAndre Swift is healthy enough to be out there on the field, then he should be healthy enough to get the ball at least 15 times. I don't care what form that takes, carries, passes, doesn't matter. If he's not healthy enough to get the ball 15 times, he shouldn't be out there. 
but that's just me. The fact is, right now, you got a running back with tremendous talent, tremendous explosiveness, but you don't know what his usage is going to be. DeAndre Swift right now is Tony Pollard when Ezekiel Elliott is healthy and out there on the field. That's what he is. You know what he could be if he just got the work, but he's not getting the work. That's why I have Jamal Williams ranked so much higher ahead. You can't really trust Swift. Do I have him at least in my flex? Yeah, I don't know if you're going to really have a better option. Can't really rank him much lower than that. That's probably I'm probably the lowest one on there. I haven't checked it. But it's frustrating. I think there's other safer options you can go with. Drake London, he comes on wide receiver 43. I mean, that again, like I talked about, Kyle Pitts is the one getting the more the better looks now. It's not so much Drake London. You can't play him. And then Dawson Knox. I know the matchup on paper against the Minnesota Vikings, they give up the fourth most points to tight ends, but Dawson Knox is a lot of times left out of the offense. Does that change with Case Keenum? I think it could. But am I willing to roll the dice on that? No, not when there's other options to be able to pivot to. So that's going to do it for the first half of the show. When you come back on the other side, we still have three more matchups we're going to talk about for our look-ahead first-half preview of Week 10. So everybody stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back with you right after this. Football is back, baby. And our new sponsor, True Classic, wants you to look and feel your best even after a couple of brewskis or going full force on your fantasy football draft. Sure, it's football season, but it's also butt-the-couch season. Luckily, True Classic has the absolute best-fitting clothing a man can buy. Snug in the arms and chest with a little extra space in the torso, their t-shirts are designed to keep you cozy and highlight your best assets no matter what you're up to. So if your special someone is upset that you're watching football all day, at least you can look good doing it. True Classic has already helped over 2 million men find a perfect fit at an affordable price. Our listeners get access to the best deal they offer. For a limited time only, get 25% off with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at trueclassic.com. Almost all men's t-shirts are designed to look good on skinny models with six-packs, but most of us aren't packing anything but a few beers. Fellas, you are wearing the wrong clothes. True Classic tees taper off towards the bottom, but they fit tighter around the chest and shoulders. It's time to highlight your best attributes with a t-shirt you can always confidently throw on. It's about time to get your fit together, so upgrade your wardrobe with True Classic and get 25% off at trueclassic.com with promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Free shipping included on purchases over $100. That's 25% off at trueclassic.com with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. If there's one bet you should make this football season, it's on True Classic. True Classic, look good, feel good. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Welcome back into the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Thanks for tuning in live on our YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe so you can catch all of our content as it becomes available to you. You can also find us live on bellyup.tv. If you download the Foxy Network app on your LG, Samsung, Roku, or Amazon Fire TV devices, we're available to you on demand, or just stay up to date with the show on the go. Download us on your favorite podcast app. Give us that five-star review. It really helps us out. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We got the Look Ahead Wednesday, the first half weekly preview for Week 10. We're officially in double digits. We got five regular season games, starting kicking off tomorrow. 
until the fantasy playoff matchups. That's huge. That is huge. It is cram time, baby. That's why those waiver wire shows that we have on Tuesday nights are so important. That's why paying attention to the usage on the Sunday Fun Day recaps and what we talk about here on Wednesdays and Thursdays previewing is so important. Because look, we know there's multiple seasons within a season. What happened the first four weeks? What players are going off then? How they looked? How offenses looked? How defenses were playing? Is totally different to what we have now. That's just the simple truth. Can't go based on the production you had then. It's about recent usage, recent trends. That's what fantasy football really winds up being about. You got those few great players at each position that are great no matter what, pretty consistently. That's what makes them great. That's why they're elite. After that, we're talking about the RB2s, the wide receiver twos, the back-end, low-end, tight-end ones, the back-end, low-end QB ones. The names, the faces, they change out because they they play differently. Defenses start to play differently. Offenses start to play differently. Different people come hot at different times. That's why it's it's you know such an update, such a chaos. And you have to be able to know when to ride those waves to be successful in your playoff chase, especially this time of the year. So let's dive into our last three matchups that we have for you guys here tonight. So we got the Broncos versus the Titans, the Jaguars versus the Chiefs, and we'll also talk about the Cleveland Browns versus the Miami Dolphins. So let's dive into our obvious starters to kick this thing off. Obvious starters. Welcome back, Captain Obvious. Yes, I am. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes is my QB2. You're playing him. He'll probably be my QB1 if Josh Allen, in fact, cannot play this week. But Tua Tagalavoa. He's my QB four and kind of like Justin Fields. I don't know if he's leaving my top six anytime soon. The wide receivers are too good. (laughs) There's so many times I'm watching these games on Sunday and I'm watching the Dolphins in particular, and I'm watching Tua throw the ball in his arm. Didn't get better. Very rarely is he actually leading the receiver, especially if it's 15 or more yards down the field. He's still not taking a ton of shots past 20 yards either. But he doesn't have to. They have found a way. Mike McDaniel, all the credit goes to him, I believe. He has found a way to make sure he is just using the killer speed of these wide receivers. And all Tua's got to do is play within himself and hit the spots and let these guys do the rest of the work after the catch. Even when he does throw it deep. Okay, just throw it deep, throw it high. If it's short... Give Tyreek Hill time to come back and run underneath of it and still make the play. Because these receivers, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, are just that special. Remember the pre-draft season when not just me, but everybody was talking about there's no way Tyreek Hill can put up the same kind of fantasy season with Tua Tagovailoa like he was with Patrick Mahomes and not to expect it and not to draft him as such. Now all of a sudden he's on pace for 2,000 yards. It'll be his best season ever in his career. That's not Tua, folks. That's Mike McDaniel. And he's making all these guys fantasy relevant. Tua himself included. And I, like, look, he's probably here to stay in the top six. You go to running backs, obviously. Obviously, 
you're starting Derrick Henry. Obviously, you're starting Nick Chubb. And obviously, you're starting Travis Etienne, who comes in my RB6 this week. And he's another guy who's probably here to stay in that range. Uh, this will be the last week I say it because I, I don't want to act like I'm, I'm trying to take away something from the guy. I don't know how long with his body build, his body lean, he's really going to be able to hold up with the kind of usage he's getting. But as long as he's getting it, he's been tremendous with it. He's been the offense. It's not Trevor Lawrence's offense. It's not a pass-first offense anymore. It's Travis Etienne's offense. He's not even catching the ball. And he's just tremendous. It's supposed to be his best attribute coming out of college. They're not even utilizing it. Travis Etienne. Woo. Fire him up. I know that was one guy. He got traded quite a bit because he was somebody people drafted high on. Wasn't paying off. All of a sudden, he panicked. Looked like James Robinson early on in the season. Hard 180. Hard 180. And, of course, you know, I already talked about the Dolphin wide receivers. They're obvious starters. Tyreek Hill, wide receiver three. Jalen Waddle, wide receiver seven. Likely to move up if Stephon Diggs does not have Josh Allen this week. Travis Kelsey. He's a tight end one. That should go without saying. So let's move it to our lock them in. Lock them in. It's a lock. Christian Kirk. Comes out wide receiver 14. A lot of you know, if you've been following the show at all this season, I've never really wavered on Christian Kirk and his value. He went through a little cold spell there for a bit, a couple tough matchups. For whatever reason, he wasn't getting the same target share that he was before. But now, last week, got back to it. The week before, I said the usage was coming back, and it did. And now I got him at wide receiver 14 in what's going to have to be a high-scoring matchup against Kansas City. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. So the volume should be there. Christian Kirk should easily be looking at eight to 10 targets, if not more in this matchup. And he's back to playing the slot. That's the best place to attack the Kansas City Chief defense. So I'm looking at Christian Kirk having a good game this week. I'm also locking in Juju Smith-Schuster at wide receiver 15. It's boring. I don't like him because he's so slow. And I'm watching him in a great offense with Patrick Mahomes with a very slow receiver. When I used to watch Tyreek Hill in that same situation, it's just not as pleasurable to the eye. But regardless of what's going on with the addition of Kadarius Toney and the late surge of Miko Harmon and Marcus Valdez-Scantling apparently running treadmill laps out there on the field because he's not actually doing anything even though he's there. Juju's been the guy. He's been the safety blanket. He's right there with Travis Kelsey. He's the guy Mahomes is looking to the most on a consistent basis. And now it's three games in a row where he's been very good to great for fantasy football purposes. Why would you bench him here against Jacksonville? Why would he not be a mid-level wide receiver too against Jacksonville? And a great matchup. As long as that volume's there and he's got Mahomes throwing him the ball, he's here to stay. He's had eight or more targets, five of the last six games. And he's the wide receiver 13 on the year with buys included. Just tell you all you need to know. We might not like it. We don't like the name. Take away the name. Look at the, look at the volume. Look at the production. Look at the team. He belongs there. 
And then we got Amari Cooper. He comes in my wide receiver 13, locking him in as a high-end wide receiver too. Wouldn't be surprised if he actually finished inside the top 12 this week. He's been fantastic. I have my doubts about David Njoku being able to play this week. So did Brian Scott when we had him on earlier in the show. So we put all that together. Looks like another great week for Amari Cooper and a great matchup. Especially against Miami. So I love Amari Cooper this week. Then we get to the Cleveland tight end. So, you know, I make these outlines days in advance. And I had David Njoku on here, and I, I still have him in here in my rankings. I mean, he didn't practice today. It doesn't necessarily mean he's definitely out. I'm not expecting him to go. But if he were to go, I have him as my tight end seven this week. I bring that up to bring this up. If he's going to be inactive, while I know it didn't pan out before the bye, and it was disappointing, for sure, I still would be okay and will have Harrison Bryant ranked at the very least, as a high-end tight end two, if not a low-end tight end one, the Dolphins give up the third most points to tight ends. They're right in there with that Seattle and Arizona where every week, it doesn't matter to see who it is, the tight end's getting a touchdown. Come hell or high water, that tight end's getting a touchdown. We know Harrison Bryant is a good pass catcher. Yes, before the bye, it wound up being Donovan Peoples-Jones, who is a second-targeted guy. But we've seen games where Jacoby Brissett's kind of go back and forth on who that number two pass catcher is. Is it the tight end or is it the wide receiver? If David Njoku does not go, I love Harrison Bryant this week. So lock the Cleveland Brown tight end in, whoever that winds up being for this week. Let's move into our lookout for players. Look out for... It might make you feel uneasy, and trust me, I get it. But Trevor Lawrence continues to be a top 10 quarterback on the year, believe it or not, and this is another matchup in which I think he's a top 12 guy to have McHugh be 11. Raked him there last week, and that's exactly where he landed. Again, I go back to the Chiefs team. They're going to put up points against Jacksonville. There's going to be a lot of, at the very least, second-half comeback volume attempts out of Trevor Lawrence. I would love it if he would just used his legs a little bit more consistently because if he did, he would be a top 10 fantasy football quarterback, but that doesn't always seem to happen. Regardless, though, good matchups with high volume typically means Trevor Lawrence can at least be in the streaming conversation. He is for me and is inside my top 12 altogether this league. So look out for Trevor Lawrence. Also look out for Kareem Hunt. So now the trade rumors are all done because the trade deadline is over. We know Kareem Hunt's there to stay. Maybe it's because they beat the Bengals. Whatever the case may be, he's there to stay for the rest of the season. And what we saw that Monday night before the Cleveland Browns went on by was Hunt get back to getting the ball double-digit times, which he had not done the previous two weeks before that. As long as Kareem Hunt gets double-digit touches, he has to be considered an RB3. And while this year for him hasn't gone like the last two, maybe things change in the second half. Maybe we see more of a split. We saw Nick Chubb kind of slow down a little bit. Not a lot. He's still a top five running back. Don't get me twisted, but slow down a little bit. And maybe that opens up the door enough for Kareem Hunt to get back to where he was the past couple of years now that the trade rumors are behind him. And the only focus right now is trying to see if Cleveland can't snag a wild card spot in the second half of the season with Deshaun Watson back on the way. So Kareem Hunt comes in on my RB29 this week. Look out 
for Jeff Wilson. Well, really look out for the Miami backfield. So I got Jeff Wilson at RB22. Remos are sitting at RB25. And I think most people at this point have Jeff Wilson ahead of Raheem Mostert after playing two more snaps than him in his very first game as a Miami Dolphin. Both getting nine carries. Jeff Wilson scoring through the air. Raheem Mostert scoring on the ground. Cool. Very cool. Most, Mostert, again, I have an RB25. This is still a flex guy. This is still a guy you can, you can plug into your lineup. We know the big play is always there. And frankly, he's always been a guy who is at least more efficient on like 12 carries. 12 to 14 carries seems to be the sweet spot for Raheem Mostert. And now Jeff Wilson's there and involved, he'll probably hit that sweet spot a little bit more often. Using means bigger plays for Raheem Mostert. Does it mean less of a floor? Yeah, absolutely. Now, they have a great matchup this week against Cleveland because they, up until they played Cincinnati, have been really bad against the run. So that's why I have Jeff Wilson just inside my top 24, giving him a little bit of an edge of the work, kind of like a 55-45 split. I think they'll go series by series, but the difference will be Jeff Wilson will be worked in more on two-minute drills and third and long. So get more of the pass-catching work. Raheem Mostert's has never been that guy. He's never been a great pass blocker, which is why he typically doesn't play those roles. And Jeff Wilson, if you remember, when Mike McDaniel was the offensive coordinator for the 49ers, he seemed to be the only 49ers running back who would be allowed to be involved in the passing game at all. <laughs> like For a team who didn't throw the ball to a running back ever, he'd be the one guy that when he was a starter, he would get the opportunity to do so because Elijah Mitchell sure as heck didn't. So that's why I think he just edges him out a little bit in, in that regard. But I think both these guys, you're playing them as you know low in RB2, high in RB3s that can be in your lineup still in the right situation. So I don't think the days of playing Raheem Mostert are over, just... I won't be locking him in my top 20 anytime soon unless an injury happens. Let's move into our wide receivers to look out for. We can cap off the Bronco wide receivers here. So I got Jerry Judy, two spots ahead of Cortland Sutton. And that's just reflection of the latest trend. I mean, Judy's been the one leading the way as of late. It could easily flip back the other way. Would I be surprised one iota if all of a sudden Cortland Sutton went back to being the number one target like he was the first month of the season and Jerry Judy was the guy who got left out? Yeah, that wouldn't shock me. You have to go what the latest trend is because when it comes to the Denver Bronco offense, who knows? Who knows who gets the ball? Who knows if Russell Wilson can get either one the ball at any given moment? That's more the issue here. Both these guys should be like, Lockett and DK Metcalf. They should both be inside my top 24. The talent's there. Anybody tells you that Judy or Cortland Sutton are overrated and not as talented as people say, they're lying to your face. They know nothing about football. These are two very talented wide receivers. Russell Wilson sucks. Period. Full stop. I don't know if he's ever not going to suck, but right now he sucks. And as a result, only one guy at a time gets to eat. Especially now, we'll talk about him in just a second. Greg Dolchitz is now in the conversation, too. They're both wide receiver threes. You're taking a chance either way. So they're pretty much in the same tier. And because Judy's been the one getting more of the work lately, he's the one who gets the notch, but not by much. The other lookout for wide receiver, he's actually not inside my top 36, but we got to talk about him. That's Mecole Hardman. Comes in my wide receiver 38. So I forgot to bring his name up with Brian Scott earlier on the show, Miko Hardman's dealing with some abdominal 
you know, soreness. So we'll have to see exactly what he's able to do. A lot of people want to play Miko Hardman. He's, he's on a run right now. No doubt about it. He's scoring touchdowns over the last three weeks. He's on a run. Somebody else besides Schuster and Travis Kelsey, we know usually has to get involved for Mahomes to continue to get the gaudy numbers that he consistently gets. Maybe it's Hardman. Maybe it's Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Here's my problem. This is the reason why he's not inside my top 36. He's consistently third in snaps. So he's got to hit it when he gets it. And I don't necessarily like that with a player who, so far through his career, has not been very good. Plain and simple. And now you got the trade with Kadarius Tony, And while I don't think it'll happen this week, assuming Miko Hardman plays, Tony's there to replace Hardman at some point. At the very, at the bare minimum, he's there to replace Hardman. He could be there to even overtake and have the second most snaps of Juju and overtake Marquez Valdez-Scantling too. But at the very least, he's there to replace Hardman. Now, again, it takes a while. Andy Reid's system is very complicated, especially for wide receivers. So what we haven't seen Sky Moore at all, you know, this season. He didn't take off the way we were hoping he would. So Hardman's going to play a little bit less and less, and Tony's going to play a little bit more and more as these weeks go on. And now Hardman's dealing with, you know, some soreness in his stomach. We'll have to see exactly what happens, but that's why he's not inside my top 36. It's still a very, very fickle coin flip for Hardman. And I would still say it's, it's less than a coin flip because I wouldn't say it's 50-50. I know he's on a run right now, but that's not a guy I want to trust in my lineup if I can at all help it. And that's why he's outside my top 36. Let's talk about the tight ends to look out for. Look out for Greg Dolchich. So we don't know about Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. Who's going to get the ball? What week's going to be? But I do know since Greg Dolchitz has come in, he's been the tight end three overall week six through eight. His three starts, the tight end three overall. He's been elite. He's been elite. I got with a tight end nine this week. You're playing Greg Dolchitz. He's actually the only safe option to play in this Denver backfield. And it doesn't matter if it's Brett Ripon or if it's Russell Wilson. I will say this. I mean, even with Wilson struggling while we're trying to figure out, you know, Sutton and Jerry Judy for the first, you know, four to six weeks of the season before Wilson got hurt, he was still throwing the ball two tight ends. It wasn't necessarily, it was a little bit of Albert O, a little bit of Eric Saubert, a little bit of Tomlinson, but it was two tight ends. Well, now Greg Dolchus is getting all of that tight end work, and as a result, he's an elite tight end. You got to play him as a top 10 option this week. All right, on that note, let's move to our Be Cautious Of players. Be Cautious Of. Well, Be Cautious Of Russell Wilson. I do have him ranked as my QB 16. It's just kind of hard to ignore the matchup this week. However, still a QB 16, being that he's a guy that we have recommended you drop, I would hope he's not on your lineup anymore and that you would have better options. As worried as I am, let's say, about a Kirk Cousins, I'd still play him over a Russell Wilson. We got to see it before we can believe it. We're at that point now. We got to see Russell Wilson be good before we can ever trust him to be good again. It's unfortunate, but that's where we're at. And that's why I think, hopefully, you have other options to be able to turn to. While we're on the subject, you also can't play any of the Denver running backs. None of them are inside my top 36 this week. Not Melvin Gordon. Certainly not Latavius Murray or Chase Edmonds. This will be the first we get to see it. Edmonds gets traded to this team right before the bye week. So he's had time to get acclimated. I suspect he'd be the main pass catcher. I suspect he played the Mike Boone role. 
That means this team's on a full-blown three-running back committee, a backfield that already was not producing even with two. So that's where we find ourselves at now. And I'm not playing a single running back from Denver. Here we got a question coming in. Kenny, would you start Justin Fields over Justin Herbert? So yeah, Kenny, thank you for tuning into the show. Um, You weren't here earlier. I'll put it back up for you again. Justin Fields is my top five quarterback this week. Justin Herbert actually is my QB nine against San Francisco. I think he could even be lower than that when we get closer to Sunday when I update these rankings on bellyupfantasysports.com. Fields is playing Detroit and he's on fire. You got to play Fields. Herbert is not going to have anybody besides Palmer against a really good defense that's getting healthy. Against his really bad offensive line, it's banged up. Yeah, definitely playing Justin Fields over Justin Herbert this week. Uh, Getting back to my be cautious of Kansas City. So kind of similar to Denver. It's a three-man committee. Now, it's a little more prolific because it's, well, the Chiefs' offense. But Clyde Edwards-Lair has shown you now, last two games in a row, third and snaps. You can't trust he's going to fall into the end zone to save your butt. And Pacheco's not doing anything really with his his snaps. Jarrett McKinnon, at least we kind of know, you know, full point BPR, I may favor Jarrett McKinnon because at least we know he he has he has the passing down work all himself. That was proven last week when they got down behind and had to come back in the second half the way they did. It was all, it was a Jared McKinnon show. So when they're neutral pro game scripts like they are against Jacksonville, I think Pacheco actually has a chance to maybe do something. Not enough that I want to play him. Don't get it twisted. But that's where we're at now. Clyde Edwards-Alaire is the guy who gets the leftovers of McKinnon and Pacheco. He's basically the poor man version of Antonio Gibson those first two weeks when Brian Robinson came back and J.D. McKissick was still leading the way. Now, I know I know now that's a bad analogy because Gibson's actually doing well, but I don't see Clyde Edwards-Alaire getting the same turnaround story that Gibson got. He's not as a setup today. Those first two weeks, Gibson wasn't playable when Brian Robinson came back. You can't play three-man committees. Not on a pass-first team. And then you also be cautious of Zay Jones. The target share is there, but he's just not catching the ball down the field. And earlier in the season, it was okay because he was getting so much volume and he was actually getting the end zone on top of it. Marvin Jones has gotten a little bit more established as the season wears on. And frankly, outside of Christian Kirk, I don't really want to trust anybody in the Jacksonville passing attack, period. That does it for our preview. We still have the mailbag segment, so let's go ahead and hit that. The mail's here. Remember, if you ever want to get on the mailbag segment, all you got to do, hit us up on social media, at Show. We'll answer every single question we get, and I'll pull out a few of my favorite ones and put them on the show. You can also, if if you're listening to this or watching it on demand, you can comment live onto the show, and we will take these comments as the show goes on if you subscribe to our YouTube channel and comment while we're live. But let's get into our first question. It's Manzito. I love that. Would you drop either Melvin Gordon or Chuba Hubbard for Devin Singletary? Uh, I would drop Melvin Gordon for Devin Singletary. If those are my only two options, I would still ask here if there's not another option to be able to go with because even though I don't want to play Melvin Gordon, he is in you know theory still a starting running back in the NFL. I don't like dropping those. But yeah, of those two, I'm definitely dropping Gordon. We don't know definitively what the split between Carolina is going to be when Chuba Hubbard's fully back and ready to go. Um, and even this week, this Thursday, with this being the first game Hubbard is back, I don't know if we can still take it for 
Granted, that'll be the rotation we definitively get moving forward either. So Hubbard still has some upside when, when, when involved there. But Gordon, there's not much upside. So yes, I would drop Gordon for Devin Singletary if you're in a league where that is available. Next question, Jefferson12. Would you prioritize Damian Harris or Jeff Wilson off the waiver wire? Where are these leagues at where you actually have good, solid players available? Because I don't have crap on my waiver wire. But uh, <laughs> yes, uh, I would prioritize Jeff Wilson off the waiver wire in that instance. Look, Damian Harris... Barring an injury to Ramondre Stevenson, he's not getting a starting job back. It's not happening. Jeff Wilson might already be the starter. Worst case scenario is in a 50-50 committee on a high-scoring offense with paired up with a running back who has a long injury history and Raheem Mostert. So I definitely like Jeff Wilson. I like his value actually now is, is equal to or greater, frankly, than Damian Harris's now even in the 50-50 committee. And he's got a lot more upside. So yeah, Jeff Wilson, definitely for me. And uh, last question, certainly not least, Hudson 99, trade Zach Ertz and Cortland Sutton for St. Brown. Yes, absolutely. What did I say earlier tonight when we were, we were talking about this? We are talking about St. Brown. Buy him low. He's a buy low candidate. People are frustrated. They're not getting the top 12 performances out of him that they were expecting. And because there's a lot of panic right now along the Detroit Lions offense in general, and where, when, or if Jared Koff is able to get back to what he was doing in the first, you know, four weeks of the season, while that's up in the air and the media is all talking about it, this is the time to buy players that have that upside, who have that town, who have that volume. St. Brown fits all those things. So, yes, I am still rolling the dice on St. Brown, and that would be a hell of a deal to be able to get St. Brown off of. So if you can do that, go ahead and buy low. That's going to do it for today's show. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. Remember, we'll be back tomorrow at 10 p.m. Eastern for the Clairvoyant Thursday, the second half preview of Week 10. I'm going to have Chris Dahauer, and I'm going to have Adam LaRue of Billy Up Fantasy Live on that show. Of course, Brian Scott will join us in the first few minutes to talk about the injury inquiry. So a jam-packed stable after going solo today. So make sure you tune in at 10 p.m. Eastern. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a follow on social media at Show and download us on your favorite podcast app. And I will see you guys tomorrow night. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.